You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, listeners and adventurers. Welcome to another episode of the Embolden Adventures podcast show. Embolden Adventures, be emboldened. Embolden Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to get out there, to explore, to learn. Let Embolden Adventures encourage you to take those steps to experience the world. Visit the website at emboldenadventures.com. Sign up for email updates on new content and ideas. Follow Embolden Adventures on social media and subscribe to the Embolden Adventures podcast show. Click on the purple podcast icon on the Embolden Adventures homepage and select subscribe. Alternatively, go to the purple podcast app on your smartphone, search for Embolden Adventures and subscribe. Please rate the podcast and tell us what you think. Today to be part of an Arabian adventure around the United Arab Emirates, starring my brother Devin, his girlfriend Joanne, and our fantastic tour guide Sean. And making a special guest star appearance is my Emirati twin Aisha. This Emboldened Adventures and Arabian Adventure podcast is brought to you by Spice Road Travel. Spice Road Travel, connecting you to the Middle East. Spice Road Travel planned this adventure around the United Arab Emirates and can do the same for you. Visit Spice Road Travel at SpiceRoadTravel.com to learn about customizable tours you can take around Jordan, the United Arab Emirates, and Oman. Tell Spice Road Travel how you heard about them on Embolden Adventures and receive 5% off your first Spice Road Travel booking. In this podcast episode, hear about our visit to Al Ain, an oasis city in the desert, how we stood atop the tallest building in the world, skiing in the desert, meeting my Emirati doppelganger, sand dune bashing in a 4x4 truck, and so much more. This trip to the United Arab Emirates is the second part of our trip to the Middle East. As you may remember, the first part of the trip was to the country of Jordan to celebrate a wedding in the ancient Roman city Jarash, and to tour around the country to visit Petra, the Wadi Rum Desert, the capital city of Amman, and the Red and Dead Seas. Check out the Emboldened Adventures podcast, A Wedding in Jordan Part 3, to relive this epic adventure. This trip first begins at the edge of the Dead Sea in Jordan, on the lowest point of the surface of the earth at 1,400 feet below sea level. I woke up to the pastels of the early morning sun that colored the Dead Sea and the surrounding dry, rocky hillsides. From here, Devin, Joanne, and I headed to the airport in Amman, Jordan, to take a short flight out to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. The UAE is one of the Gulf states and is part of the GCC. It is located on the Arabian Peninsula, surrounded by the Persian Gulf, the Red Sea, and the Arabian Sea. The country is located east of Saudi Arabia, southeast of Qatar and Bahrain, north of Oman, northeast of Yemen, and is across the Persian Gulf to Iran and Pakistan. The UAE is a prosperous, safe country in the heart of a vast desert. For nearly 80 years, the British held a protectorate on the area, having exclusive access to the land that's rich with oil and natural gas, in exchange of military protection of the sheikhdoms. The sheikhdoms were nomadic desert tribes, each led by a ruler called a sheikh. 
The British relinquished their rule in 1968 and then helped to establish the United Arab Emirates as its own country. The seven sheikdoms came together to form the seven emirates of the country. Let's hear Sean tell us more about the seven emirates. Okay, starting from the biggest is Abu Dhabi. Second biggest, Dubai. Sharjah, the third largest and the smallest being Ajman. The other three you have Um al Quwain. Ras Al Khaima, and then you have the Fujairah. This makes the country United Arab Emirates. Now, a lot of people think Dubai as a country or a capital. Dubai is neither the country Dubai nor the capital. It's Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is the capital, and the country is United Arab Emirates (UAE). There are two countries that wanted they were offered to join uh, before the country got united that is qatar and bahrain yeah. but they didn't for whatever reason wow. and uae formed in 1971 2nd december 1971 so it's an it's a brand new country it's a fairly new country 44 year old wow yeah the father of the emirates was sheikh zayed bin sultan al nayan who was the ruler of Abu Dhabi and the first president of the United Arab Emirates. He was instrumental in the creation of the country. Sheikh Zayed passed away in 2004. The famous Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque in Abu Dhabi is named after him and is where we visited on our trip. Now the country is ruled by the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed bin Sultan Al Nayad, who is the son of Sheikh Zayed. The tallest building and the tallest structure ever built by humans is called the Burj Khalifa, after Sheikh Khalifa, and it's located in Dubai. The Vice President and Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates is Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who is the Crown Prince of the Emirate of Dubai. Sheikh Mohammed is credited for transforming Dubai into the global city that it is today, from a city of sand and pearl trading posts just a mere decade ago. Sheikh Mohammed is a big celebrity in the UAE. You can see him driving himself around in his white Mercedes G-Wagon without any bodyguards. You know it is him when you see the Dubai license plate number one. If you come across him, ask him to take a selfie with you. He just may do it. Let's ask Sean more about being a sheikh. How do you become a sheikh? You are born a sheikh. Doesn't sheikh suggest it's the bloodline of the Prophet Muhammad over time? Is there some sort Not of connection? Oh, is it Sharif then? Is the, the, the name Sharif suggest? Sharifa is a title. See, we Muslims, in our belief, Sarah, we are, they call them Ashraful Makhlukat. So it comes from Sharifa. We are Sharifas. All, everybody's a Sharif. Every Muslim is a Sharifa. Well, that is a different thing, but sheikhs are the top. Now the Bedouins from Jordan, or the northern parts of the Middle East, can they be welcomed to these Bedouin tribes, or they're very different? They are totally different, oh, right? Yeah? Jordan, Saudis, Saudis, Kuwaitis, Bahrainis, they are from this region, GCC. We arrived to the Emirates in early May, just as our hot season was beginning. If you travel to the Emirates, be sure to go during the cooler months. As we flew over Dubai, you can see the desert heat and haze engulf the city. Even the tallest tower in the world, the Burj Khalifa, couldn't hide from the desert elements. When we landed, you can begin to feel the heat outside while we were still on the plane. We took a short taxi ride to the Emirates Mall to go skiing. Ski Dubai is located inside the mall next to the Sports Authority. The inside ski area is set up like a ski lodge with benches and lockers and hot chocolate. 
Then there's a ski rental area to the left, complete with ski boots and skis. They even give you a light ski jacket and pants to borrow and free fleece gloves to wear. Get suited up and head up the escalator to the ski slope. It was a legit ski slope, two slopes in fact, and a real working chairlift. Once entering this enclosed area, you were fully immersed into a winter wonderland. I spent about two hours running the trails. One was an expert trail and the other was a beginner's trail. Both had some curves and steep areas and bumps. Each run took about two minutes or so to complete. The penguins weren't out for display, unfortunately, at that time, but rather we snow park guests were the ones on display through the windows for the rest of the shopping mall to see. The next morning we met our fantastic tour guide, Sean, who greeted us at our hotel. We would be traveling to an oasis city in the desert called Al Ain, located in the Abu Dhabi Emirate on the border with Oman. We began the day bright and early after breakfast and began our tour around some parts of Dubai. Sean showed us the palace of Sheikh Mohammed in the center of the city and pointed out the growing city skyline on the horizon. Each new building seemed to be taller than the next one. Our first stop was outside of the city at the Camelicious Market. Here we tried ice cream made out of camel milk. I tasted the milk. I liked it. it. It was a smoother, more flavorful version of your typical cow's milk. Camel milk is supposed to be very nutritious for you as it is high in proteins and vitamins, including vitamin C. It is about 50% lower in fat than cow's milk and it provides a big boost to the immune system. And no known allergies to camel milk actually exist. Our next stop was to the camel racetrack. Let's listen in to Sean's tour around this racetrack also to the camel stables, and then on to the little shop that makes robot camel jockeys. See the red fence at a distance? That's the camel racetrack. They have now been swapped with remote controlled jockeys. On the camel, you see in front is little robots. Yeah, or, those are the robots. These are the robots that are strapped on to the camels. So you have the camel race and then you have the car races, the four by fours, they mm -hmm. follow the races and they give the command to these remote control jockeys and walk it up. <laughs> you can come out and have a look. See they're preparing it, so they're numbered. When's the race? Uh, they will start October, November. They're pretty much just power drills with uh, radio kind of. transmitters. The drill, what it does, see this thing? Yeah, it, moves it just spins it. It spins, yeah, it's the camera. That's genius. Not too bad, though, no. <laughs> I can't get over the hat. These are the one hump camels yes, called yeah. dromedaries. We don't have the two hump camels. Two hump camels are the bacterians. We don't have them. Is this more Mongolia, Asia? Kind of, yeah. So these camels look skinnier and smaller than the ones in Jordan. Because they used to race. so they Ah, uh, they're the very dry. slender. They're, yeah, yeah. These are racing, these are former they used racing to. camels. The former racing camels, yeah. These can survive for two months without water, but I would say easily for days or yeah. weeks. Wow. Yeah, because it depends on the temperatures, you know. So the pack of cigarette that you see camels. Camel Joe, yeah. Yeah, but that is wrong. Why? Because the picture is of Andromeda and on the brand it's written camels. See uh -huh. that one, Sarah, that's a racing one. Uh -huh. Not the one that the man is riding on, the other but one. the one that is being, that is following. That is a racing one. The so man will not ride on the camel because the weight, it doesn't have belly. You yeah. can make out from here. It looks yeah. like what, what kind of like a, like greyhound, a greyhound, greyhound dog. Exactly. These are expensive. The price of a normal camel goes from four or five thousand dirhams. And then the racing one, they go up to millions. Wow. A few years ago, one of the late she drives camels were put on auction and people were willing to pay 
seven million dirhams. Wow. From the camel stables near the racetrack, we drove onward to Al Ain, located in the Abu Dhabi Emirate. The route between Dubai and Abu Dhabi is a flat, straight highway through the desert sands with some roaming camels in the distance. It's so pretty, it's like a pinkish. It's a cut darker as you drive. So when you're on the sea, you have this color of the sand which is white, it's because of the corals in the sea. And as you drive inland, you are getting closer towards the mountains. And these colors, as it gets darker, these are the dust of the mountains. As we near Al Ain, Sean explains why the Al Nayan Bedouin tribe first settled there. The Al Nayan clan are the ancestors to the father of the country, Sheikh Zayed, and his son and the current UAE president, Sheikh Khalifa. Originally, they settled in Al Ain. And then one of the Nayans, you know, looking out for water, looking out for gazelle, they saw this gazelle at a distance. So they chased, they followed the gazelle trying to catch it. And the gazelle led them to the coast where Abu Dhabi is now. That's why Abu Dhabi means father of the gazelle. Finally, we arrived to Al Ain, also known as the Garden City, and the second largest city in Abu Dhabi. It's a very wealthy one at that, with gorgeous mansions aligned next to one another along the roads. We pay a visit to the Al Ain Palace Museum, based on the original residence of Sheikh Zayed. This palace museum features an art gallery, many of the palace quarters on display, a replica grand court tent, and a land rover similar to the one driven by Sheikh Zayed to visit the Bedouin communities around the desert. At the museum, Sean explains to us the Arab custom of serving coffee to guests. If you're ever invited or generally into an Arab's house, they will always come with dates and coffee. You obviously try the dates coffee, don't smell it. This is considered rude. Wow. I don't like wines, you smell it, right? Mm. This is considered rude because the server will think that you're not yeah. trusting. Yeah. Okay? They'll give you under half or more, not more than a sip. Is it because it's strong, the coffee? No, it's a tradition. On the contrary, if he's filled up the cup, then you need to understand yourself that you are not welcome. Oh, really? This is an understanding. You don't say, but this is the Arab tradition. Okay? If the cups are Starbucks coffee size cups, that's rude. If the coffee is cold, that means you're not welcome. It was quite hot, so we sought refuge from the heat at the museum, and then in a shopping mall where we stopped for lunch. Here, Sean explains why he believes traveling is important. Well, I think uh, the best way to, to learn is to be at a place, to see the place. And uh, uh, every place does have something different. I've done Australia, I've done Egypt, I've done New Zealand, I've been to LA. Where else? I've been to Maldives, I've done Sri Lanka. Wow. That's just a bit of what I've done and there's a lot that I want to do. Slowly and gradually I'll keep taking out uh, my bucket list, you know. What have you learned from your travels so far? Just travel and keep traveling more, explore more. Get to know the places, meet lovely people. Uh, I have been lucky, I've never... All my, all my travelings, I've never come across anybody who is bad. People have always been good. Places have always been wonderful. Uh, I would say that I'm, I'm blessed, you know. It's a blessing, you know. And it's not scary, right? There's no fear in the travel part. There is no fear. I never felt scared at any place. Some places might be, you just have to be careful. 
that's with any place. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't go to places prone to problems, uh, knowingly. I learned a lot, I saw a lot, I want to do a lot. So I try to get out every year. That's awesome. <laughs> After lunch, we drove to the green Maza Baza Natural Springs and Oasis at the foothills of the Rocky Mountain Ridge that forms the UAE border with Oman. We had the opportunity to go for a swim, but it was too hot to be outdoors for an extended period of time. No one was really outside except us. Instead, we drove around in the car to explore the area. It's a bit like Palm Springs in California with palm trees, desert mountains, and bright sunshine. One of the royal palaces was at the base of these mountains, and a second royal palace is built at the top of these mountains, which is the second highest point in all the Emirates. To access this point, we drove up a long, windy mountain road called the Jabil Hafit Mountain Road. This road was masterfully engineered by the Germans, who built this solid foundation into the Brittle Mountain. According to Sean, this road is rated as one of the top driving roads in the world, and I could see why with the gorgeous pastel desert views from a bird's eye vantage point. We passed the entrance to the palace on the mountaintop. Then we reached the end of the road to an overlook point out to the Liwa Desert. Liwa. The most challenging part of the desert of the country. Uh, other deserts are, are easier when it comes to driving. How tall are the tallest peaks out there? You know, you're looking at nothing below 100 meters. Uh, see, we're from here, if you look at the high ones, mm -hmm. they're nothing below 100. They're just over 100. I'm talking about the big ones. Yeah. And the wind pushes them up. They go higher. Mm -hmm. And then they drop as well. So you have the stretches of sand dunes. Mm -hmm. And moving ahead, across is the flat bit wadis. They call them wadis. So this is a very uneven terrain that yeah. makes it challenging. It looks like ripples and water. Exactly. Yeah. And in the distance, it looks almost blue, like it's water. But is that a mirage? Or it's just it's, it is a mirage. A mirage. <laughs> you would look at it like a like a it water, like but water. it is. It is a mirage. It is a mirage. Liwa Desert, uh, or they call it Rubel Khali. This is part of Rubel Khali. Rubel Khali is an Arabic word. It means the empty quarters. Empty quarters com is a combination of uh, the Saudi desert, mm -hmm. Yemen, uh, UAE, and. Uh, there was one more country. Oman? Yes. These are the countries that UAE borders. The rest of the areas is covered by the coast. Right. So you have the Arabian Gulf on this side. On this side you would have the East Coast. How so, far is Saudi Arabia from this point? I did it from Dubai. It took me about six hours drive to get to the border of Saudi border. You're looking at this one is about four or five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Area is called Wefat is where they have the border. The country border between Oman and the Emirates is lined by a metal gate and the side of a mountain. I watched a stray cat leisurely walk through the spaces of this gate to cross into Oman. So I thought to do the same. I put my foot through the fence. So now I can at least say I set foot into the country of Oman. We headed back to Dubai that night. And then the next day we toured the city. The name Dubai is thought to translate to transit or money. Over the many centuries, it was a strategic location on the Persian Gulf for trade, especially for trading pearls and fish. Dubai was known for its export of its locally sourced pearls to areas around the world until the advent of the cultured pearl pioneered by Japanese. It had limited oil resources, and so Sheikh Rashid bin Said Al Maktoum, the father of Sheikh Mohammed, used trading revenues to begin to develop its city infrastructure, including hotels, airports, ports, and roads. 
Now Dubai is this mega city, breaking world record after record and engaging in massive initiatives, such as building a complete indoor city by 2020. Our first stop was to the Dubai Mall, where the entrance to the Burj Khalifa is located. At 2,722 feet, the Burj Khalifa is the tallest man-made structure ever built in the world. The Burj was open in 2010, and it took six years to complete, and completed on time. Okay, in Arabic, Burj means tower. As and when the construction went on, okay, they ran into financial problems. They weren't sure if they're going to get it built or not. So what happened? Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed Al Nahyan stepped in. He said, we will get the tower built and we'll deliver it on time. They got it built on time and then on the day of the opening, Sheikh Mohammed, the vice president, invited Sheikh Khalifa, the acting president, for the opening. So he cut the ribbon and then Sheikh Mohammed announced the changing the name of the tower to Burj Khalifa, giving gratitude to the president. It is also the tallest building with the most floors in the world at 163. Rumor has it though that Saudi Arabia is constructing a taller building than the Burj Khalifa located in Jeddah, but also Dubai will be constructing an even taller building to hold on to this record. We'll see what happens. We went up to the outdoor observation deck on the 124th floor. Here we go, the elevator is zipping us up to the top. Does it? Oh my god, I don't know. look how high this is. Holy moly. <gasps> yeah, it's hot out. So it's just desert, and then the cars are so tiny. Amazing. You can feel the heat, and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh my god. I have. Like, I have butterflies in my From this view, we could see the Burj Al Arab Al Jamara, or better known as the Sailboat Hotel. And then looking out to the Persian Gulf, we could see the world, the man-made 300-island chain laid out in the shape of the Earth's continents. Cars below looked like the size of a pinhead. The surrounding buildings were Lego-sized. It was incredible to be standing this high up in the sky, looking as far out as I could see into the desert. Be sure to get to the Burj early, as haze and sandstorms later in the day could impact this view. It definitely was a hot, hot day, and it felt like a dry day in Las Vegas. This next stop on our city tour was going ziplining between the city buildings, across the fountains and the Burj Khalifa, and then landing at the Dubai Mall. Ziplining Dubai! Woo! Ready, Mom? Yeah. Pull up your leg. In three, two, one, go! Drop the Ziplining was fun and a quick way to cool off at the high noon heat. We met these two guys from Oman who joined us for the zipline adventure. So you guys are from? Oman. Yeah. Oman. Where in Oman? Muscat. So is your first time ziplining? Uh, it's my first time, yes. And you were nervous? A little bit. What did you think? Uh, I think it's so much fun. <laughs> no need to be nervous anymore. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, what nice are your names? Uh, Hoytum. Hoytum? 
Salem. Salem. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Enjoy your stay. Enjoy your stay. Next, we took a double-decker tour bus to see the rest of the city. Our first stop was through the Jumeirah district to see the Burj Al Arab up close along the water. The word Jumeirah means pearl. Then we drove through the palm that is another collection of man-made islands in the Persian Gulf and formed in the shape of a palm tree. We made a quick stop to the Atlantis Hotel located at the top of the palm before we headed onward. We traveled along the 16-lane highway, Sheikh Zayed Road, the longest road in the Emirates, and passed through the financial district, and then on to the heritage sites, passing the Gold Sook and the Spice Sooks in the Old Town Heritage District of Daria. Lastly, we took a breezy, old-fashioned Dow boat ride on the water in the Al-Fayed Historic District of Dubai. After spending the day in the city of Dubai, we spent the next day in the city of Abu Dhabi, the capital city of the Emirates. Our trip was to visit the opulent Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque, and to tour the city, and to meet my Emirati twin, Aisha. Abu Dhabi is a beautiful city, and it's turned out to be one of my most favorite cities in the world. It has brand new, architecturally modern, and unique skyscrapers, concentrated in the downtown area near the coast. The houses are the size of mansions along the broad boulevards, and the city is pristine clean. From the highway, we can begin to see the gorgeous Grand Mosque, Known as the White Pearl of the Gulf, the Sheikh Zayed Grand Mosque is the third largest mosque in the world behind the Grand Mosque in Mecca and the Prophet's Mosque in Medina. It costs almost $600 million to build. Sheikh Zayed commissioned this mosque in 1996, but he passed away before its completion in 2007. His final resting place is at the mosque. It has four minarets that are 107 feet tall and 82 smooth domes, with the center dome ranking as the largest in the world. A water moat marks its perimeter in a royal blue color that contrasts vibrantly to the white marble. The Italians built it, yet it resembles a bit like the Taj Mahal to me. The mosque has inspired Persian, Moorish, and Mughal touches. I felt like I was in the movie Aladdin because it had that sort of Arabian feel to it. Before we could enter the area, Joanne and I had to borrow black abaya robes at the rental area. Like in any important place of worship, we were to respect the customs and dress conservatively. We covered our heads with the hijab and wore the abaya, although since I was wearing pants, the one given to me only went down to my knees, so it looked a bit like a poncho. The reality was I wanted a longer one to cover down to my ankles, just like everybody else had. After spending a few days in the United Arab Emirates now, I see that it is customary and somewhat functional for the men to wear the long white tobe robes and covering their head with the keffiyeh, and the women to wear the long black abaya robes and covering their heads with the hijab. Back in the day when these Bedouins were nomadic tribes traveling in camel caravans through the desert, it was really important to cover your entire body, including your face, with a covering called a niqab to protect yourself from the blowing sand and the hot sun. The conditions in the desert can be extreme with temperatures reaching between 120 or even 130 degrees in the hot sun and between 40 and 50 degrees in the middle of the night. People today still walk around in these custom garbs, as one elsewhere in the world would in their customary collared shirts tucked into their khakis or their skirts. In fact, the outfit is so comfortable, we were told that some are even wearing their pajamas underneath their outfits. The call to prayer was happening as we toured the mosque. I liked it, for it had a serenading peace to it. While the temperature was over 110 degrees and the sun was very hot, the mosque provided a coolness in the shaded area. The mosque was also very cool to the touch and the air was fragrant because of the incense called a bahor that was pumped into the air. 
semi-precious stones of lapis lazuli, agate, fancy jasper, amethyst, and mother of pearl, with colors of blues, browns, reds, purples, yellows, and greens, are inlaid in the marble throughout the mosque. And the columns throughout the mosque are crowned in gold. A grand plaza is in the center of the mosque, and it too has a large flower design made up of semi-precious stones. The mosque was filled with tourists taking many photos because it was impossible not to. The place is too beautiful not to miss, especially taking that panoramic shot. After exploring the outdoor area, we made our way into the mosque itself. The foyer area was comprised of two walls of marble designed with strands of flowers, leaves, and stems, all made out of semi-precious stones. Inside the mosque was just as gorgeous. The pastel colors were of peaches, greens, golds, and blues. Seven jeweled chandeliers that are plated in copper and 24 karat gold hang throughout the area. One of the chandeliers is the largest in the world at 10 meters or 30 feet in diameter and 15 meters or 50 feet high and covered in 1 million Swarovski crystals. And the floor is covered in a handmade Persian rug, also the largest hand-woven rug in the world made by 1,200 weavers. After visiting the mosque, Sean took us to the Ritz-Carlton where we would meet Aisha for the first time. I was excited and nervous at once. So how it happened, back in 2008, my mom saw a photo in the New York Times that featured Aisha in a classroom in Abu Dhabi. The article talked about how American universities were establishing satellite campuses around the Gulf countries, such as the Emirates. I was struck by how similar we looked, and close enough to make my own mother do a double take. We were twins! I took a photo of this photo and posted it on Facebook. Seven years later, in 2015, I was in the midst of planning this trip to the Middle East, and it dawned on me that I should try to contact her to say hello while we were in the Emirates. I found her sister on Facebook who quickly responded back to my message, and she suggested I reach out to Aisha. We connected over email leading up to our trip out here, and the rest is history. We went to a traditional Emirati lunch at Al Fanar in the area. We sat on the floor cushions in a private room reminiscent of the old Bedouin traditions. Aisha ordered us a sampling of many Emirati dishes of rice, curries, shrimp, chicken, and lamb. This is a machbous di, machbous chicken with yogurt. And we eat it with our hands. No, go like that. Oh, squeeze it. Yeah. The customary way is to eat the meal with your three fingers of your right hand, gently squeezing the food and then placing it into your mouth, similar to how we eat the mansaf in Jordan. <laughs> no, good though. We talked about all sorts of things as we got to know one another. American TV shows, cars, careers, customs, food and travel. We even took a few selfie photos for posterity. The mosque was beautiful. Oh my god. The grand mosque was gorgeous. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Although we didn't we didn't realize it until later. Thank you. Um, the tomb of the Sheikh Zaid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We missed that. We already had oh, put our. I bet when if you go where the grave is, mm. is uh, is someone who sits in here reads Quran out loud. So you hear him read Quran. Whoa! Wow! Ah. Oh, too bad we missed it. Hmm. And what's the significance of the mosque? Is there? We didn't. We just kind of walked by ourselves. We didn't have a tour guide, okay. so we didn't really know much about the yeah. history. Basically, the main thing they wanted to do was a big mosque, and while building the mosque, yeah, I think they were still building the mosque. And our founding father, Shazad, passed away. Mm -hmm. So they decided to put him over there. Although it wasn't meant, it was just to be like, you know, like a place. What was the writing in the walls? It's a beautiful decor. That's, there are 99 
means for Allah. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the forgiver, the giver, the, the kind, and, and there are verses. Have you seen it around the, the yes. gym? That's verses from the Quran. The link to verify your account. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Is she wearing a traditional outfit? Mm. Okay. It's a Bedouin outfit or Emirati or how? It's Emirati, Muslim Emirati. So she's wearing. She'll be wearing like this, a jalabiya, and then something a bit transparent that comes on top of it, okay. and she kind of covers her hair with it, and then comes a black. Uh, like that bio looking. Do you find black is very hot uh, during the day? Not really. You're comfortable. <laughs> very yeah. comfortable. It depends what you wear under it. Yeah. It's, it's very it's cool. It's very thin fabric. Oh, it is yeah. very It's beautiful. Look at the detail. Very pretty. Thank you. So you actually wear like an outfit underneath? Yeah. We heard yeah. someone wears pajamas. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's awesome. The men. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a Saudi men. Wake up and you just yeah. put on your clothes over it's, your pajamas. It's their pajamas. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, even women. Like, if yeah. you got the whole clothes abaya, you can wow. walk around in pajamas. No one can tell what's under their box. That's right. So, it sounds so comfortable. Well, I never thought I'd be here mm. in uh, the Emirates. There's a long place I never <laughs> thought of. Not that I didn't want to come, I just never thought I'd come. Yeah. And here we are. This is awesome. Have the opportunity to. Have the opportunity. This is pretty oh, cool. God, I'm glad, though. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah. Devin loves it the most with the cars. I do, yeah. yeah. It's been <laughs> He's great. He's in heaven. <laughs> then you should definitely be here doing the Formula One. <laughs> yes. It's something you shouldn't miss. It's the whole Abu Dhabi transformed. Really? Transform. We become guests. Oh, is that right? Foreigners from yeah. all over the world, and, and the whole um, the vibes of the city just completely changes. Yeah, it's, it's a circus. Beautiful. Whenever F one's in town, any any city, it becomes a circus. Mm -hmm. Do you follow it at all, F one? Mm -hmm. You do. Mm -hmm. is, is it pop? I'm sure it's popular. But in the beginning, when it first came, it, be, it was more like a social event, so mm -hmm. just to prove, like, oh, I know Formula One. And it's a very fun event. Very, yeah. and you see a lot of falcons. Where have you traveled around here? Which countries? Oman, Qatar. Really? We've just been here, and even in the states too. We keep hearing all the beaches in Oman are awesome, are phenomenal. You have to go. Really, they're really gorgeous. Good. Yeah. Beautiful. The nature in Oman is, is something you wouldn't expect. Going into Oman, you see all the mountains, all gorgeous. Oh. And then the more you get to like Salala or. In Taiwan, it's just green. Wow! wow. Yeah, like the cliffs, and then they've got like the ocean, and it's beautiful. Very nice. We met two guys from Muscat, Muscat, yeah, yeah. Oman, yeah. uh, the zipline. <laughs> so they were in the elevator with us. They both had these long selfie yeah. sticks. Hopefully, the next time we plan to come back, yeah, make sure it's in the winter. Yeah, we. Uh, one thing I'd love to do is the camel polo in Dubai. Apparently you can ride camels in some of the polo oh, yeah, parts yeah. and like polo with the camels. <laughs> Are we going to do that? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it. But they're really comfortable camels. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've ridden horses before. And it's nothing like that. Horses kind of throw you around. Yeah. But camels, I mean, I don't know. It's Their foot placement is very delicate. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed the camel ride. Yeah, yeah, it was much smoother than the horses. The horses can yeah. be finicky. Well... Then compared, we were elephants, and the elephants True. were very uncomfortable. Yes, right. <laughs> they just kind of wander around. So if you were to rank them, elephant mm. worst, horse, and the devil. <laughs> so now I'm, I was thinking, mm -hmm. we head from here to Yas Island. So we'll, we'll drive around there, and then we've got the track. Yeah. So from the viceroy to stuff. This is awesome. Thank you, Aisha. Yeah, this is thank amazing. You. Of course, of course. Just <laughs> <so> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is wonderful. What an experience this is. We are now at the Yaz Marina Circuit on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi, home of the Formula One track, racetrack, and our Grand Prix and our wonderful new friend, Aisha, my Arab twin, my doppelganger, has so graciously taken us to the track level where we'll be watching an Emirati or an Abu Dhabi drag race. We scored some VIP tickets thanks to Aisha and we spent the rest of the time watching the drag races. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we got. I didn't buy tickets. The fellow Sharif, he's from New York. Oh, get out of here. Citizenship, but I'm talking like. He's from New York? We need to interview him on the podcast. And then he was like, you know, please don't embarrass me. Thank you so much. Let's thank Sharif. Sharif. Shakram. Hi, congratulations. You just got U.S. citizenship. <laughs> That's like, uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Sarah, nice to meet you. Hello. I know you somewhere. You know, How are you guys? Well. So I'm American now. We, you good. are American. I look American, right? Yeah, we look American too. I'll swing that. Okay, enjoy, guys. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Congratulations again. Super excited. <laughs> Aisha, thank you so much for your hospitality. It was a pleasure to get to meet you. We really enjoyed spending time with you while we were in Abu Dhabi. We said our goodbyes and headed back downtown to the Emirates Palace Hotel, a seven-star hotel that was once made to be a royal palace. This hotel is gilded in gold and built in marble. It has 114 domes at over 250 feet high. Luxury and sports cars line the parking lot. The inside was grandiose and spacious. At the top floor are the six ruler suites reserved exclusively for the royals and dignitaries. Open in 2005, the Emirates Palace is the second most expensive hotel ever built in the world at $3 billion. The most expensive hotel right now is the Marina Sands in Singapore. We spent some time walking around this hotel, taking it all in, before we retired to our own hotel for the evening. The next morning, Sean met us and took us to the Sharjah Emirate, where we would go sand dune bashing in his special 4x4 truck. We drove out to the desert in the morning. Soon enough, the city turned into rolling dunes of sand. Right away, we could begin to feel the intensity of the heat through the car. Sean took us to an area in the desert not well traveled to by tourists. It's called the Maleha Desert. We drove off road to the dunes, some of them reaching over 40 feet high or more and undulating like ocean waves. With the strength of the wind, these sand dunes change in height over time. The sand had an orange-red color to it, and it beautifully contrasted against the tan, rocky mountains in the background. It had delicate ripples from the wind that was blowing consistently and strongly. This area we're going to is very beautiful. As we drive around and we see the desert, have a look at the sand, the color of the sand. We'll see a drastic change in the color, in the ripples, in the patterns. So from more bushes to less bushes and no bushes. Uh, from flat, barren desert to greenery and all that. So different stuff. How fast do you go through the dunes? Well, you can't go faster than 40, 50, 60 kilometers. It's not a flat area where you can speed up. 
you fastest you would go, you would probably hit 60 kilometers. You putting in four wheel drive? Of course. This is a, she's a monster, 5.7 V8. You'll see her performing it. And you take some of the air out of the tires. I have to, yeah. Have I've to. got a tire pressure gauge. Uh, and a roll bar. Yeah. We're protected. We're safe. We don't have to wear helmets? No, you don't have to wear helmets. <laughs> it seems as if we were in the middle of nowhere. One wrong turn without the right equipment could spell disaster. It was hot. <laughs> the sand was burning to the touch. The sun was intense, and I immediately started to sweat after I got out of the car. The temperature at this point was already 113 degrees, and over the day it would rise to 118 degrees or 48 degrees Celsius, the hottest temperature I've ever experienced personally. It's really hot. Wow. I don't think I've ever been in this much heat before. You're doing very well. You're a tough girl. You have to be admired. You know, you stayed this long out. <laughs> at this time, seriously, people get exhausted. Yeah, right. It's not easy to stay out at this heat. No way, it takes a lot out of you. It does, yeah, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, it's, these elements are brutal. Mm -hmm. I guess I never appreciated what a desert's like. No. The area had some dead branches that were strewn around the sand, and they were so dry that they felt as light as a feather. Sarah, don't touch the bush! <laughs> I forgot to tell her. <laughs> Watermelon! It's not watermelon, it looks like watermelon. It's got desert squash. Is that poisonous? It's not poisonous, it can cause some allergic reactions. Oh, is that right? In our deserts, you will not find cactus. The reason being, cactus grows in lesser humid areas. This place gets 100% humidity. Is that right? Wow. Oh, good point. I never thought about yeah. not having a cactus here. I walk to the top of a few of these sand dunes. With each step up the slope, the sand rolls down the hill, covering my tracks. It's still very dense enough, though, not to cave in with each footstep, as it would if you were walking in snow. Sean was ready to take us sand dune bashing. We got back into the car and drove up, we drove down, and we drove to the side of these sand dunes. It felt like a roller coaster. Climb, <laughs> climb. Push, 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 push. These are just sand dune after sand dune. Yeah, you can't appreciate the height until you get in these bowls. Yeah. yeah. From the road, it doesn't look that bad, right? No, or from the mountaintop. Yeah. It just looks like ripples of sand. That is 50 feet tall. No. More than that. What do you say, 60? A little bit more than 50. And there's hardly a tire mark. All the sand just filled yeah. in yeah. after you. Yeah, these dunes are deceiving. They're yeah. beautiful, Sarah. They are beautiful, you know. They really are beautiful. You just don't know how tall they are. Yeah. My, uh, they look I, like little mountains, but they're mountains. They can drop. What? <laughs> at times, we were at nearly 90 degree angles in the car. Good thing we had our seatbelts on because we were fully suspended out of our seats on some of these dunes. Wow, you can feel it. Fighting. Yeah, yeah. It slips and slides. See the sand moving. Yeah. yeah, the sand slipping under our tires. Oh my god, this is a steep decline. This is amazing. He took us to two spots, Camel Rock and Fossil Rock. Camel Rock was this rock outcropping in the middle of the desert, shaped like, well, you guessed it, a camel. At Fossil Rock, Sean pointed out fossil impressions of shells from the millions of years ago when the area was covered in ocean. 
We continued driving around until we saw a herd of camels appear. Camels! They were leisurely walking wow. in line with nothing to do or nowhere to go, it seemed. Caravan of camels. Oh, look at Wow, this is so authentic. The scene made for an iconic desert photo with the rolling waves of sand, the camels, and the mountains in the distance. Our next stop was over to another area of the desert to drive on some more sand dunes. This area was a popular spot for the tourists to go driving around in caravans of white cars, or in this case, the modern-day camel caravan. Before that, though, Sean surprised us with a falcon. I posed for a picture with the falcon on my hand, guided by one of the Bedouin keepers. Falcons are revered birds by the Bedouins, and it is the national bird of the Emirates. The peregrine falcon is the fastest animal on the planet when it nosedives in the sky, reaching speeds of up to 240 miles per hour. We drove around the sand dunes some more until the late afternoon. Then Sean took us to an open-air Arabian dinner under the stars with local entertainment and cuisine. I watched the sun set over the rolling dunes of the desert. With the pastel colors and the perfect circle of the sun, it was one of the most spectacular sunsets I've ever seen in all my travels. The dinner was the grand finale to our Arabian adventure around the United Arab Emirates. It was an unforgettable, enjoyable trip. Special thanks to Sean for his wonderful tour services. I hope you also get a chance to go to the United Arab Emirates and get to meet Sean yourself. And thanks to Spice Road Travel for arranging the trip for the group. Check out Spice Road Travel for more information on booking a trip just like this one. Ask for Sue. She can help you customize the trip you want. Email her at info at spicewordtravel.com to inquire. Remember to subscribe to the Emboldened Adventures podcast on iTunes and sign up for the Emboldened Adventures website to receive email updates on new content on travel adventures. Until next time, adventures, be emboldened.